there are some fascinating details about the Fatima message that are often overlooked by those interested in the entirety of the Fatima topic, but who don't really have the time to delve deeply into the message of Fatima or its specific details, which is why I'm here, to give you that information in small amounts. And one of those bits of information is about the concept of the Pope of Fatima, not the Pope in the alleged vision of Fatima that was revealed in 2000, which I am completely skeptical of its authenticity as each day, and increasingly so as each day passes. You know, that vision that was conveniently released after the deaths of those who claimed to have read the message had happened and had been very public about, uh, you know, spreading the Fatima message prior to their passing. No. By the Pope of Fatima, I'm referring to the Pope who was most requested to do the consecration. There is some dispute over who that Pope was, and as time has gone on, I've become more and more convinced that the Pope of Fatima wasn't John Paul II, and it's certainly not Francis. I've become more and more convinced that the Pope of Fatima was none other than Pope Pius XII. There are too many coincidences with Pius XII that can't be overlooked as they relate to the Fatima message, to the point where I don't think they're coincidences at all. The first and the most important is that Pius XII was deeply connected to the miracle of the sun, so much so, in fact, that he had his own visions. Yes, visions of the miracle of the sun that aren't often talked about. So today I'm going to go over those details for you. And full disclosure, I'm of the mind that Pius XII was the last truly good pope who was caught up in terrible times that limited what he could do. And no, I don't think he was the last true pope, just the last of the truly good ones, which is not a dig at the moral fiber of any of the popes who came after him either. Anyway, let's get into the topic of the Pope of Fatima. But first, I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel for their continued support. It really does enable the work of this channel to continue. If you want to join the supporters of this channel, you can do so through Patreon or Subscribestar for as little as $1 per month or through the mail or Subscribestar for a single donation. It really does help this channel keep going, and please support the other content creators you like as well. Thanks. Back to the news. Let's begin at the beginning. Not at the birth of Pius XII, but at his elevation to the highest ranks of the Roman Curia. Pius XII, previously known as Eugenio Pacelli, was elevated to the office of Archbishop on May 13, 1917, by Pope Benedict XV. If you know anything about Fatima, you know that May 13th is kind of an important date. On that same day, May 13th, Our Lady appears to three children at the Cova di Iria and asks them to return for five more months in succession on the 13th day at the same hour, and this all happened in Portugal. Now, it's on this day that the Fatima story begins, May 13th of 1917, with the young children returning each month to visit with Our Lady and the Angel, except for the month of August, which featured the forces of the stonecutters literally intervening and keeping the kids locked up so they couldn't meet with Our Lady. But that's a story with implications for another time. The final consecration of Eugenio Pacelli was on October 13th, 1917, on the same day that the Bolsheviks stormed a catechism class in Russia and smashed the altars, and at the same time that the children of Fatima were witnessing the miracle of the sun along with an estimated 70,000 people, including many hostile witnesses. And this is all, of course, uh, told rather masterfully in various places by Fulton Sheen. 
which is, by the way, one reason I don't take seriously any Catholic who says they don't believe in the message of Fatima or the experiences there, not because of Fulton Sheen, but because of the number of hostile witnesses. But I digress. At the Fatima event, a local stonecutter newspaper described the event as follows, quote, Before the astonished eyes of the crowd, whose aspect was biblical as they stood bareheaded, eagerly searching the sky, the sun trembled, made sudden incredible movements outside all cosmic laws. The sun danced according to the typical expression of the people, end quote. Again, it's from a not-friendly newspaper to the whole thing. This experience was confirmed by believers and non-believers alike. The event had been foretold by Our Lady of Fatima to the three shepherd children prior to it happening. The Vatican confirmed the authenticity of the miracle, and the site was, has since become a sort of source of numerous healings and miracles ever since. It is interesting to note that Pius XII's birthday was March the 12th, which is also the date in 1939 that he was elected to the papacy. I just found that interesting as a bit of history. All reports are that Pius XII was a Marian pontiff. He had a deep love of the Virgin Mary and consecrated the world, the world, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1942, in honor of the 25th anniversary of the Fatima apparitions. Again, it was the world he consecrated to the Immaculate Heart, a consecration that John Paul II would later explicitly invoke in his own consecrations in his pontificate, meaning that John Paul II was explicitly renewing Pius XII's consecrations, and he said as much himself. I don't know why this is a point of controversy, but this all sets the stage for those details about Fatima that most people are not aware of, aside from the dates of Pius XII's ecclesial career that line up with Fatima. In 1950, Pope Pius XII was considered, or was considering rather, the proclamation of the dogma of Mary's assumption into heaven. While in the midst of prayer in the Vatican Gardens, Pius XII saw something miraculous catch his eye. In a note that was found in his family's archives later, Pius XII wrote a handwritten note where he says, I have seen the miracle of the sun. This is the pure truth. Then he went on to further describe what he saw. The papal note says that on the, at 4 p.m. on October 30th, 1950, during his habitual walk in the Vatican Gardens, reading and studying, having arrived at the statue of Our Lady of Lourdes, toward the top of the hill, quote, I was awestruck by a phenomenon that before now I had never seen. The sun, which was still quite high, looked like a pale, opaque sphere entirely surrounded by a luminous circle, he recounted. And one could look at the sun without the slightest bother there was very little cloud in front of it. And I'll repeat this again here in a moment. The Holy Father's note goes on to describe the opaque sphere that moved outward slightly, either spinning or moving from left to right and vice versa. But within the sphere, you could see the marked movements with total clarity and without interruption. And mostly quote from his note. He did not only see the miracle of the sun one time either. He saw this phenomenon on four separate occasions and was convinced that it was a favorable sign from God that he should declare the dogma of the Assumption of Mary. This video is likely to go live on the day before the Feast of the Assumption of Mary unless something major happens to push this podcast back until the following week. And that's important because the papal encyclical that I have for Saturday is the dogmatic definition of the Assumption, which invokes papal infallibility. So it's a matter of faith to believe it. Make sure to check it out. That encyclical is directly tied to the Fatima message. Here are some details of the miracle of the sun. The papal note says that, again, at 4 p.m. on October 30th, 1950, during his habitual walk in the Vatican Gardens, that he was where he had the habit of reading and studying, he had arrived at the statue of Our Lady of Lourdes. 
which was at the top of the hill. He was awestruck by a phenomenon that before he had never seen. It was the, the sun was still quite high, looked like a pale, opaque sphere, entirely surrounded by a luminous circle. And he could look at the sun without the slightest bother. There was a very little cloud in front of it. Now, again, describing it for you, the Holy Father's note goes on to describe the opaque sphere, quote-unquote, that moved outward slightly, either spinning or moving from left to right and vice versa. But within the sphere, you could see marked movements with total clarity and without interruption. But here's where it gets odd. This didn't only happen one more time. As I said, it happened three more times, and I've got the dates for you. His note says that he saw the phenomenon on the 31st of October, on November the 1st, the day of the definition of the dogma of the Assumption, and then again on November 8th. And after that, no more. Now, for those who might want to know, the 30th of October was not a major feast day, but the 31st on the pre-1955 calendar was the vigil feast of all saints. November 1st was All Saints Day, and November 8th was the feast of the Holy Crowned Martyrs, which refers to the nine individuals who have been venerated as martyrs and saints in the early church. The nine saints are divided into two groups, and I'm just going to list all of them here. You have uh, Saints Severus, Severian, Carpophorus, Victorinus, Claudius, Castorius, Symphorian, Nicostratus, and Simplicius. So, his visions of the miracle of the sun aligned with All Souls Day and the Feast of the Martyrs of the Early Roman Persecutions. I'm not one who thinks that this is a coincidence. Later, Pius XII acknowledged that on other days, at about the same hour, he tried to see if the phenomenon would be repeated. But, quote, in vain, I couldn't fix my gaze on the sun for even an instant. My eyes would be dazzled, end quote. Which sounds normal, though. I would expect maybe that there was also a sort of a sign from God there to not go looking for divine messages on his own schedule, but to trust that God would intervene and repeat the message if and when needed. In 1952, Sister Lucia writes in her diaries that she received a vision of Our Lady, who said, Make it known to the Holy Father that I am always awaiting the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. Without that consecration, Russia will not be able to convert. Without that consecration, the world cannot have peace. End quote. Now, remember, Pius XII had ten years earlier had done a consecration of the world to the Immaculate Heart. Bear that in mind. On July 7th of 1952, Pius XII consecrates Russia specifically, but he does not ask for the bishops to join him, and thus he is not joined by the Catholic bishops of the world. Then, on September 2nd, Austrian Jesuit father Josef Schweigel is sent by Pope Pius XII to Coimbra, Portugal, to interrogate Sister Lucy about the third secret. Father Schweigel later confides to one of his colleagues, quote, I cannot reveal anything of what I learned at Fatima concerning the third secret, but I can say that it has two parts. One concerns the Pope. The other, logically, although I must say nothing, would have to be the continuation of the words, in Portugal the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, end quote. Now, it's worth noting that there is a myth pushed by some that Pius XII didn't know much about Fatima. That's just not historically true. Pius XII knew the events of Fatima well and conversed with one of the visionaries, the most known of all of them, Sister Lucia, as I hope I just demonstrated, who confided to him the third secret in writing, or so it's alleged. It's known that the messages were sent to Rome in the 1940s, and it's been said that he was told the message himself, but again, that message was truly meant for the Pope of 1960 to act upon. There is, of course, some dispute about that, as it is often wondered why Pius XII didn't do the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in a union with the bishops of the world as requested by Our Lady of Fatima. 
And to that, I'll remind you that by the 1950s, the Roman Curia had kind of a small problem, and that problem was modernism, best exemplified in the persons of Montini, Roncalli, and of course, Bugnini, the three of whom would all be responsible for the council that was to come, with, of course, the help of a lot of other prelates. But I have one final Fatima date for you involving Pius XII. Pope Pius XII died on October 9th, 1958, and was buried a few days later, on October 13th, 1958 the anniversary of the miracle of the sun at Fatima. Now that's interesting, isn't it? The Pope, who was named an archbishop for a curial posting on the day the Fatima era began, would be buried on the 41st anniversary of the miracle of the sun, only eight short years after his own experiences seeing the miracle himself. What does it mean? Honestly, I'm not sure, but I suspect more and more as time goes on that he was the one who should have consecrated the world, which begs a lot of questions. There are those who posit that Pius XII's passing was not natural, though of course that can't be confirmed, and the passing of each pope from him through John Paul II has had those rumors swirling around them. But maybe it's true. That period for the Vatican and the Church was tumultuous to say the least, with modernism clearly in ascension, and the bishops of the Church already playing fast and loose with the liturgy and with the moral teachings of the Church, all of which would only pick up steam in the decades that followed. So in closing, I'll ask you, the audience, I will ask you this. Was Pius XII the Fatima Pope? The real Fatima Pope? Was he the one who should have done the consecration? His life and career line up far too well with the message of Fatima. Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, and please pray for the Church, especially in these dark times. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.